Hey, faithful listeners. Do you have an idea for an episode topic? Do you have your own opinions about what we talk about when we talk about zombies? Do you suspect someone of mind wizardry? Are you your own grandpa? Do you suspect us of mind wizardry? Let us know what you're thinking by emailing us at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. Welcome to Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily, and I am a lovable poltergeist. My name is Lauren, and I, I, I am afraid of those ghosts. My name is Matt, and I died yesterday. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Today we're going to talk tell. about ghosts. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so we have a lot to talk about since it is uh, the Halloween uh, era of the year. And we've already we've already talked about all the other stuff. Yeah, that's so. right. One day we're gonna run out of like monsters to talk about, and we're gonna have to really scrape the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh, what movies have doors in them? <laughs> what movies have monsters about? in them? Hey. <laughs> A lot of movies have doors in them. What? The Shining. The Shining. That's right. We can talk all day about door mo- uh, movies. Yeah. The Shining. <laughs> let's let's oh. move on. Let's move back. To all right, ghosts, all real right. Quick. <laughs> let's right. let's let's put a pin in that. Right. We got some good shit there. Got some good stuff bubbling. Lauren, you were going to talk to uh, start talking about uh, the origins of some ghost stories. Yales. Also, I watched Hocus Pocus not that long ago, so I'm really compelled to talk like Winifred Sanderson, so I'll try to restrain myself. But she just doesn't look good. We all appreciate your restraint. (laughs) So, ghosts, or the idea of ghosts, has gone back to ancient times, dating before literature and written language so like our ancestors ancestors believed in ghosts and the belief stems from animism which is the oldest known belief system and animism is basically summed up by objects places and creatures all possessing a spiritual essence right that can be left behind after they die like Pocahontas. Yes. <laughs> like, Every rock and tree and creature, creature exactly. yes. has a life, has, has a, a spirit, spirit, has a name. Has a, a name. name. Okay, got it. That's kind of the idea of like somebody died, but their essence was still there. And the actual word for like ghost, it, there's a lot of different words for it, but it all kind of, especially in ancient times, it comes back to the idea of breath. So oh, like okay. so like people used to believe that like you could see a breath coming out of someone's mouth that was their spirit or their essence. Oh, so uh, to interject right there, um, in Latin the which is what animism that word comes from. Uh, anima is like the it's it means your soul, but it also means your breath. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. rather neatly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. We know stuff. So, we know <laughs> stuff. And that's, that's me snapping in the Z. <laughs> and that's also why ghosts are 
especially early ghosts, are portrayed as being very wispy and, like, kind of these, like, apparitions of, like, fog and... Yeah. Because it was... They were made out of breath. Oh. Um, so the other thing that it ties into is ancestor worship. And, like, that is kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to be, like, expand upon that. And I'm like, well, it's the veneration of the dead. A lot dead. of cultures uh, practice ancestor worship. And even in modern... Uh, a lot of modern-day cultures practice ancestor worship, including... Um, I was just... So... <laughs> This may be a controversial opinion, but I was just at the third funeral for my grandmother, and I was just like, can can we stop having funerals for people eventually? <laughs> and it is very much like ancestor worship in that you're still, you're worshiping the dead, or, you know, I, that's kind of sacrilegious yeah. because we are Greek Orthodox, but like, it, it just occurred to me that was something that still happens today in a lot of cultures. Yeah, I mean, and we all celebrate, well, okay, <laughs> we all celebrate, that's not what I meant, I'm sorry, Cele- people still celebrate, like, the Day of the Dead in Mexican culture, and there's also, like, All Hallows Eve or All Saints Day, and then there's also a Chinese festival, which is literally called the Ghost yeah. Festival. So, at all of these cool. things, they're, in some in some cultures, they're actually, like, in um, certain parts of the world where really dry where bodies kind of naturally yeah. mummify they will actually like dig up their relatives who've passed away and like, cl- yeah. like clean the skeletons and or mummies and like redress them and wow. offer them food and dia de los muertos is like that as well where it's like you're leaving offerings for the dead and celebrating them as if they were still here or like like you were saying emily it's almost like a second funeral or a third funeral or a fourth you know where you're like or fourth, or however yeah. many, like just celebrating their life and like, and and invoking their spirit in a yeah. way. And that was not seen as like a scary bad thing either. So that's the other real fast. The other distinction I want to make is that like it wasn't seen as like like ghosts weren't generally very scary because they were your family and your loved right. Ones. And it, I I read this article in National Geographic the other day that was about these this culture that keeps the dead in their house for quite a long time and i'm talking years like 10 years so they'll have the body of like grandma who died and they she's in bed and every morning the little kids will get up and like kiss her good morning and they'll eat breakfast around her but she's like she's super dead she's been dead for 10 years (laughs) so like that is really disconcerting it is really disconcerting they take care of the body and they you know they venerate her you know as as if she's still alive you know what i guess like honestly like that's something that like even americans do like we keep urns for of our yeah our dead loved ones ashes and we talk about the urn as if it's the person mm. don't right. drop grandma yeah exactly so yeah. well but technically to be fair that is grandma like, like she's in there. Her, her body is in there. I guess we don't, like, make a lot of, like... We don't, like, anthropomorphize the ashes as right. if it's still alive, like those other cultures that we described. A lot of people, talking about the ancestor worship, a lot of people think that, yeah. like, the spirit would remain until there was no one who... Like, until there was no one who remembered them. I will remember my grandmother, but, like, depending on when she passes away... My children will only know of her as I as I mm-hmm. report to them, 
And then they will, okay. you know, so like that kind of idea of the like once a person passes away, their memory kind of gets diluted through the generations until nobody really remembers yeah. them. And then that's when the like spirit that's leaves. Really interesting because that makes a really great motive for ghosts to haunt people. Right. Yeah. Don't forget me. And right. like so in this culture, it's like they're actively trying not to forget. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the Book of Love? No. It's a cartoon, and it's a uh, by these two Mexican uh, directors or artists, and it's basically that's the concept. Is that the it talks about the this concept that like as long as you remember them, they are still is it the alive Book of in the Love spirit or the Book world. Of life? The Book of Life. Okay, I have seen that. I have seen that. Okay, sorry. My bad. Um, but yeah, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but please continue. <laughs> So yeah, so that's kind of where early early ghosts or the idea of ghosts come from. We talked about how like a lot of words are interchangeable. So like a ghost can be like like ghost and spirit or shade even specter right. poltergeist Pol- and so Fantasy. poltergeist or wraith or you know there's all these different words but essentially it all kind of comes back to the idea of a person or a creature, because mm. yeah. I personally have had experiences with a ghost cat, which we can talk about later. But um, <laughs> also, this idea that animals have souls or an essence that can get left behind, right? So yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. And then as we get into religion and kind of the like the early religions, but also like the Judeo-Christian religions, like. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's the the witch of Endor, which I think this is more in the... Uh, <laughs> is she... Uh, sorry, I was going to make a Star Wars joke. I wanted to do continue. that as well, but I don't... don't. Do so Endor, I think, in this context, actually means Galilee. It's oh, like okay. There, I guess. Yeah. This is more in the Jewish tradition. But anyways, okay. King Saul is like going up against, you know, an enemy and he's not getting, like, God's not talking to him. He's not getting anything from the living prophets. He's not getting anything from his dreams. He's, like, cast out all the, like, magic and warlock people, but then he finds this witch and comes to her in disguise (laughs) and she summons the ghost of the prophet Samuel. And Samuel, like, first, like, starts off by being, like, pissed off that... (laughs) He's, like, being disturbed. She summoned him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then says, like, you disobeyed God, your army's going to be defeated, and you're going to (laughs) die. And, like, peace is out. So, because necromancy is specifically forbidden in the Bible. Yeah. Like, specifically. Like, it's no joke. (laughs) It's something with, like, bestiality. You just don't. (laughs) But hold up. Like, that's not really necromancy. You didn't, like, bring him back. They just kind of, like... Well, oh, so necromancy yeah. originally means divination, using the dead. Right, so like so talking to them. So you use the dead to so tell like, you things. In spiritualism, with the dead. in spiritualism, you'd call it a seance. <laughs> okay. So, like right. trying to communicate with the dead. Is... So I guess like low-level necromancy is like seance. Yeah, I mean, I think now we media think of... has kind of changed necromancy because you have things like Dungeons and Dragons and like and, yeah. and all of that that's kind of made it more like you raise zombies <laughs> from the ground. I like the idea that right. like, you can be a like an amateur necromancer and that's like seances and Ouija boards mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But then like when you get a professional level, 
you've got to be able to raise at least one dead guy. Right. <laughs> like, you got to make yeah. a zombie. If you want any cred. That, exactly. Like, that's, if that's your job, that's funny. you got to be able to pull that one off at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so this gets into this idea, too, that, like, seeing seeing or speaking with ghosts is seen as, like, right, like, as a forbidden thing. You shouldn't do it, really. But also, as, like, if you do see ghosts or do talk to ghosts, they're usually, like, the heralds of something that is to come. And that's almost always okay. bad stuff. So, like, in right. in Saul's case, his armies were defeated and he committed suicide. Mm. So... Oh, wow, okay. That happened. But then there's other instances, yeah. too. There's a thing called the Wild Hunt, which is led by Odin. But if you see it... So, it's basically this group of... It, it could be a couple of different things, I guess, depending on, like, what tradition you're coming from. But, like... Mm-hmm. Kind of across the board, it's almost always like the the dead. So that could be ghosts and or spirits or zombie kind of things. But if the like the person who sees it, like worst case scenario, it's if you see the wild hunt, there's going to be a war or a plague or something. Best case scenario, right? Best case scenario, the person who sees them dies. Ah, oh, okay, I see. So I see. Like, <laughs> Right, yeah. So worst case, your whole country is going to be affected to some degree. Best case scenario, just the dude who sees just it you. gets, like, offed. <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. By dying and going to the other side, their ghosts have this extra knowledge. So, like, when they are summoned back, it's like they, they by dying and crossing over, they have been given this foresight. And so when they come, they usually are heralding something. Okay. And I think that would be a really good place to mention um, a Christmas carol yeah. because you have the three ghosts. Yeah, actually, I kind of want to talk about uh, Victorian spiritualism because that, like, really got to be a big thing. And Charles Dickens especially was super into it. He, he had, like, his personal medium, and he... I, him and Houdini had a falling out, so H- Harry Houdini and Charles Dickens were, like, buddies. But then... Which I never knew. That's yeah, like right? Um, they all your favorite people knew each other. Oh, as a side note, if you guys ever uh, are on Tumblr, you need people. to follow the uh, famous people hanging out together Tumblr because they have pictures yes. of famous people hanging out together and you're like, this is amazing. But seriously, yeah. I mean, sidebar, like every famous people knew all the yeah. other famous people. Well, there were just less people. Just less people. I mean, it was, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting someone <laughs> that everyone knew because there's like five of them. So, um, besides that... Uh, so they, they knew each other, and one time um, Dickens invited Houdini over for a seance, and Houdini was like, this is some bullshit, and was just really pissed off that he he had been bamboozled, I guess. And so he kind of spent the, a long lot of his energy trying to debunk spiritualists. So he... This is a man who's known to be uh, as a magician. That's yeah. His- his yeah. Stalking trade. Well, he was he was an escape people. artist. He was so he actually escaped. Okay. Well, <laughs> ask someone on the street what who Harry Houdini's profession is. Well, yeah. I, I mean, that you're not wrong, but I feel like if Harry Houdini's ghost comes back, I want him to be on my side. Well, so. <laughs> regardless. Point being, this is a man whose stalking trade is like deceiving people, and he's like, I will not let these deceptions continue. Well, I think he would he would argue that his stalking trade are illusions. And so <laughs> it's no, I think, I think it's perfectly reasonable because, like, Penn and Teller do the same thing. Like, they don't want people to be fooled, right? Like, completely. They want them to be 
like amazed. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was taken for the ride, but it's grounded in a reality. Yeah, they don't want people to be like scapegoats in some like madman's scheme to make money off of them. Houdini, um, he told his wife that when he died, he would, uh, if he ever came back, he would say a specific phrase to her. And he whispered it in her ear. And so, um, do you know when he died? No. I know how he died. Yeah, he, how did he die? So, this, he, one of his claims as a illusionist was that he could take any punch. Right. Like, he could take a punch from any person. Mm -hmm. And so, this guy came up to him and, like, basically challenged him and then just punched him repeatedly and, like, over and over again and ruptured his appendix. And so, he died of a... And he had an inflamed appendix already. Um, Mm. So it was, you know, partially that. But he died on October 31st, which is also Halloween. (laughs) And so every year after he died, his wife had a seance on the day that he died in order to try and resurrect his ghost. And she uh, had this phrase that he told her that was like a keyword. So she was waiting for the spiritualist or for a ghost to say this key phrase, and it it never happened. Oh, Do we man. know what the phrase is? No, she died. She died taking it to her grave. Good for her. But yeah, right. Every every year uh, on October thirty first, there's a seance to try and summon Harry Houdini's ghost. Every single year. Which feels like a moot point, right? Like, they're just doing that <laughs> for shiggles. On Halloween. Well, yeah. well, they don't know. They don't know, yeah. Like, they don't know what it is. Yeah. So, I think we kind of buried the lead here uh, about Victorian spiritualism. Yeah. Is that, like, this is where the, the idea of, like, ghosts got popular as, like, an entertainment and a medium. Like, Absolutely, and... And we they skipped over what that was entirely. We just kind of went straight to the story for Harry Houdini, but like, can <laughs> you introduce us to Victorian spiritualism a little bit? There's a lot of people who pretended to be spiritualisms or, or, or spiritualists, or maybe they were, and they would summon ghosts. There were a lot of, I find this astounding because of my anthropology background, but they were zomb- uh, mummy unwrapping parties. <gasps> yeah! They, would, oh they bought legit zo- uh, mummy, I keep on saying zombies, Legit mummies from Egypt unearthed by, you know, these... um, Grave robbers, essentially. uh, Yeah, grave robbers, basically. And would unwrap them one layer at a time. And you know how they they wrapped, like, amulets and stuff in with the mummy. So people... It was like that party game where you unwrap it and you get to keep whatever you find. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or, like, a king cake or something. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. It's just... I just bananas. Like, it <laughs> blows my mind. Victorians and, were fucked up. We should do an episode just called How Victorian <laughs> Times People Were Just oh, the worst. Garbage People. Yeah. Uh, morning jewelry was a very big thing where um, people would take the hair of the deceased and put it into brooches or watches or, you know, any kind of jewelry. Um, they you would make dolls what sometimes. Is? What is? Do you guys know what, what, do you know what quilling is? It's like when you take paper and you like wrap it into spirals or different shapes and you make a design, they would do that shit with their hair. Oh, crazy. So it'd be like, imagine like a, imagine like a, like a brooch or something and it's like, oh, that's a really beautiful brooch. It's like a bird. It's like, oh yeah, the bird's made out of my dead baby's hair. Oh, okay, that's it's, creepy. It's very intense. So, so I also want to point out, I want to point out too that this was the time just after uh, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Yeah. So, like, in yeah. the, you know, the ten, the 
maybe like the next two decades, next 20 years, this got really big. Uh, when was Frankenstein written? Uh, uh, I don't know, but she was born in 1797. Okay. So sometime so, after that. Yeah. The Victorian era officially started in 1837. I okay, know so Frankenstein this. Frankenstein was published in 1818. So yeah, the, so, it's it, like, definitely slow incline right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, but it was like, a, like, I think once again, we kind of got into a weird place with like hating on Victorians, but it was like a major <laughs> entertainment Absolutely. for many people. Uh, seances, yes. Ouija boards, all of this stuff. Like the, the mummies loved yeah. it. I mean, not everyone could afford to have a money mummy party. You know, like that was maybe for oh creepy, super rich people. But like, it just makes me so the, mad. <laughs> the yeah, mummy party thing. It's just but like it's not like everybody the on the street fuck? is like going around like unwrapping mummy arms and being like, "Oh, I got a new mummy arm." But at the right. same time, yeah. there's like thousands of them though like they would find like mass graves mm. and just be like cool ship them off to england somebody's <laughs> gonna have you yeah. know yeah that's a true I mean, a, bidding, a bidding war more than there are today for certain because we wrecked them all yeah the victorians yeah. wrecked them all so the Vic- victorians were obsessed with death they were really obsessed with death and like this is like a trajectory that kind of continues and makes ghost stories and lots of other kind of ghastly death stories very popular, and it still feeds into our popular media today. So somebody who came out of this Victorian era, like, like the golden age of, like, ghost stories and stuff, was gothic storytelling. And so a guy who really kind of, like, influenced that, his name was M.R. James. His first name was Montague. It was M. Montague. M. R. James. The M stands for Montague. Montague James. Montague James. (laughs) I can't remember what the R stands for, but it was also something kind of ridiculous. But anyways, he was a writer, and he is the guy who wrote ghost stories. Right. And that was, like, kind of his bread and butter. And he's, like, influenced so many... He, like, wrote so much stuff, and, like, some of it got adapted into, like, screenplays and, you know, like, TV shows and stuff. Rhodes, that's his middle name. Montague Rhodes. Montague Rhodes James. Wow. Your oh my God, I okay. like ghosts. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he he wrote a bunch of stuff, and he influenced tons of people, including H.P. Lovecraft was someone who like read his oh, works, wow. and he actually has the kind of style that he used is called a Jamesian tale, named after oh. him. So he has his, he's got cred. He's, yeah. he's yeah. raised, if he were a necromancer, he's yeah. raised at least one zombie is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so I, there was this kind of formula that he followed. Uh-huh. And so I thought this would be a really cool thing for us to discuss. So this was his idea of like the ideal ghost story. Okay. So one is the pretense of truth. Oh. So I want us all to think about, like, we're going to do this little exercise, and I want us to think about, like, when you hear, when you're around a campfire and you're telling ghost stories, like, all the ghost stories are, like, a good ghost story that really creeps you out has that pretense of truth, as in, so this happened to my fill-in-the-blank. Yeah. Or two towns over, there is this place, and this is where this happened, right? So there's, like, this element of, like, this... This this is true. It has to be plausible and also uh, near in proximity or in time, you know. Right. 
plausible and relatable. Yeah. So the setting is of the what he said of the writers and the readers' own day. So, okay. which I think it sends back to so like the there are definitely stories where it was like ten years ago a little boy fell into this canyon and you know so but, the setting but then has, it always it always comes back up to the modern day right so the so the little boy who died here ten years ago is still here right and. There's has to be what he calls a pleasing terror. Oh, a pleasing terror. So again, terror. like Matt said, right. So like what Matt said is like, so you know, this is all about like, inter- it's all about entertainment, but you're trying to get the reader to buy into the idea that this could happen to them. Like, oh, right. if I'm not careful, I might disturb the spirit and then this will happen to me. Um, which to him meant no gratuitous bloodshed or sex. Oh, interesting. Huh. Interesting. Mm. So, well, listen. I have a, a counter argument. What more pleasing terror could there be than sex? <laughs> With the ghost. I argue. Well, okay, but to counter that, why would you want sex to be terrifying? <laughs> no, but like the, the petite more. Like hey, if you're into in like that, let's not kink shame. Physical sense, not in like an emotional sense. Yeah, but if I'm just telling a story and it's like, and then I was having sex with her, and then she killed me, you might never have sex with anybody ever again. <laughs> I'm using terror as a. Uh, a broader narrative than, than your. But we're talking about ghost narrative. stories, so I'm just not sure about that. Having sex with ghosts might be fun. Who knows? Ghost, ghost sex. So okay, his okay. So anyway, he's back on track. Well, but so like, but in the con- so like that idea, I think I think what he means when he says like no gratuitous bloodshed or sex is like I kind of appreciate this. Will be hold on. Okay, so a lot of times in ghost stories. In ghost stories specifically, somebody will just disappear. So it's not like that idea of bloodshed. It's not like the bloody murder scene. Like you walk into a room and it's a bloody murder scene and you're like, oh my God, there's little Johnny ripped to shreds. It's more like, oh my God, I can see his last few footsteps and then there's no more footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like somebody just kind of disappears into the unknown and that's what creeps you out. Or like the uh, the hook on the door as you drove away from the makeup yeah. point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And as far as like the sex goes, I the reason why I appreciate the the lack of sex is because especially in like <laughs> gothic stories and gothic romance, sex is usually and this is this is true in the common horror movies and stories today. Yeah. Sex is a foil. It's like a character flaw. So, like, the girl, specifically the girl who has sex will die because she is seen as unpure and worthy of being... I don't disagree with you, but I think it might be more gendered than that. Like, for instance, like, the guy who has sex doesn't always die. He doesn't always live, either. He doesn't always live, right? Yeah. He doesn't always die. But still... I mean, but we are also talking about the Victorian era. Where everyone was just dying left and right. They were dying left and right, but also and women in particular a, were nasty. Sex was and a not, serious And not in the law. new way where we took it back. <laughs> yeah, in the Victorian era, like Emily said, sex was a serious character flaw. Yeah. They're called Victorians for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's a Colorado girl. It has nothing to do with sex, but yeah. But yeah. So the last <laughs> thing is no explanation of the machinery. You can't say, for instance, like... He was a ghost. You just have to be like, I don't know, you know. Right. Or exactly. So that idea of like, but how, how could he have disappeared if blah, 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 blah. Who knows? It's super <laughs> right. well, like, oh. not try. Don't try to rationalize it or try to give people an answer. Just 
if they if they want to think about it that way, let them think about it that way. It's not up to you as the writer of the story to provide an answer because that makes it more open to interpretation. Sure, that works. Yeah, open to interpretation. But it also plays into the pleasing terror and no gratuitous bloodshed thing because the pleasing terror, like if there's no gratuitous bloodshed, it's pretty obvious. Like, oh, he was ripped apart by hooks or whatever. And it's like, well, if we have hook-proof stuff, we can be protected against it. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. You know, it, it kind of, like, lets you, like, imagine a scenario where you might be safe, as opposed to yeah. where, like... You're totally vulnerable. You just disappear for some reason. Who knows why? Yeah. It's like leaving it open to your imagination and, like, letting you come to your own conclusions. Yeah, like, there's nothing more terrifying than your own mind. Like, that's a very well-known trope that, like, yeah. the less you tell about a horrific something the more someone will just make it as scary as possible for themselves. <laughs> right, so, yeah. exactly. So he wrote, when I wrote down two of my favorite titles, so Casting the Runes is one of the more popular ones, uh-huh. and it got adapted into a movie in Britain and America, and I think it's called, like, Night of the Demon or something like that. Ooh. But then my other favorite title of his is A Warning to the Curious. <laughs> How great is that? Oh, it's, it's called A Warning to the Curious and Other Ghost Stories. But, like, how fucking good is that? Right, like, that's I read really that and I was good. like, oh, I want to... I'm going to read that. I'm going to see that they have that in the library. They probably don't, but... So, yeah. So, I, I thank you for going on that little journey with me. But, like, when I was reading these, <laughs> I was like, every ghost story my uncle told me definitely... Maybe not hits all the marks, but maybe hits like four out of the five. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, dear listener, you can tell your own extremely scary ghost stories just because now you know the, the, the template. Yeah. You know the template. Go out there write and your, um, write your ghost story. <laughs> we wanted to start uh, also by talking about the different kinds of ghosts. And um, I'll, I'll lay out the ones that I have and you guys can add whatever um, you think I'm missing. All right, got it. <laughs> Great. So uh, let's start with poltergeists. So those are apparitions that can move things. And in a lot of cases, people attribute that to teenage emotions. <laughs> I've heard that a lot, that like poltergeists are called into being because of angry teenagers and not necessarily what? that they are ghosts. Wait, um, so it's just like, it's like, a representation of teenage angst that just gets like, like there's, dragged yeah. from the void. There's actually a guy who cre- he created a. Yes. There's a guy who did a theory about, and he, I think he calls it the like the like the angry little girl or something like that. Where it's oh. essentially he's saying like he was trying to prove like going back to what you're saying, Emily, with like Houdini and people yeah. who are like on the other side who are like this isn't true and I'm going to prove it wrong. He yeah. was one of those people who was like. Poltergeists aren't real. It's a little girl who's, like, messing with you because she wants attention. And so he was basically saying, like, oh, yeah, do you have a little girl in your house? She's just showing. She's she's throwing shit around. <laughs> like, that was that was his whole, like, thing. Oh, was like, ghosts aren't real. Poltergeists aren't real. If you, have a, if you have a teenage daughter, she's throwing stuff because she wants your attention. Hmm. And in and some like, cases, okay, that's... That's evolved into, uh, like, they're doing it with their minds kind of deal. Yeah. And in other cases, like, uh, in the case in the case of Peeves, it means just a ghost that can move things. That has the energy or uh, ability to move things. And Peeves, talking about Hogwarts and Harry Potter, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that up. Harry Potter, yeah. Peeves is not, he's a poltergeist, but the way that J.K. Rowling defines it is that he's not actually a ghost. He is a spirit. He's like... 
He's just like a spirit of mischievousness. So Peeves isn't the ghost of anybody the way that like nearly headless Nick is. Oh, he's so just he... like a spirit who's like lives in the castle and just likes to have fun and mess with people. So he is a traditional poltergeist then. He's kind of called yeah. a being by teen angst. Yes. Basically. Oh, there's so many teens there that have so much angst. Of they course. have so much angst. Of course Peeves is there. Oh, that makes sense. there. Yeah. So we have also um, uh, the next one is uh, residual hauntings, and this is kind of like people who died in a place and are still there doing the thing that they were doing. Uh, So they're like you can see them like going to cook something or looking out a window or just doing things they would do in their normal life. And they don't talk to anybody, and they don't interact with anybody. They just appear and disappear. Is that like a situation where it's almost like, from from a living person's perspective, like they don't seem to know that they're dead because they're just like, right. like you said, kind of doing mundane things, and they're not like aware that, like if I'm well, like hello, and they don't, they just kind of look at me and then disappear, sort of such. They're yeah, they're just like not intelligent, so they they don't, they're not thinking about whether they're alive or dead. They're not thinking about what they're doing. They're just replaying scenes from their life. It's almost like they're a recording, yeah. Yeah, it's like a recording. Yeah, and then the next one would be an intelligent spirit, which is like a, what you might think of a traditional ghost. Like Casper, you know, it's a, a ghost that can think and feel and talk and uh, interact with people. He can make new friends. He can <laughs> make new friends. But the last one, I so I got this list from an article, and they were literally like... Yeah, it's a list from an article, and they're like, poltergeist, residual hauntings, intelligent spirits, and shadow people. And then they just went on, and I was like, <laughs> shadow, shadow people? people? <laughs> what the fuck is that? So I don't know what shadow that means. <laughs> shadow people. I guess. Yeah, also, so this word, this word ghoul gets used a lot, and like, I've yeah. never really found a, a satisfactory definition but like ghouls eat people like they're yeah, not I was gonna ghosts. say that everything I've seen is like a ghoul is like somebody who eats dead people right so yeah and they're not necessarily the the ghosts of people they seem to be sort of spirits on their own yeah 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 so um th- those are the ones the I only- have do you guys have the only other one I had was called um, a, a psychopomp. Oh, psychopomp, which is spelled I've heard like that psycho before. Yeah, so like P O M P, pomp, like pomp yeah. and circumstance, um, which in Greek literally means guide of the souls. So the definition I found it said that it could be a spirit, but it could also be a, a creature. So like I was thinking of the movie The Crow. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a common, a raven or a crow is a common symbol, I guess. But also, like, Chiron from Greek mythology who ferries people. Yeah, so it's, dead. like, it's the it's literally the guide who, like, takes people's souls from one side of existence to oh. the other. So in some oh. cases, it's a spirit. And then in some cases, it's a, it's a creature. Right. Or even in some cases, too, a deity. So, like, in Roman mythology, Mercury or Hermes in Greek yeah. mythology was seen as a kind of a guide of the souls. Psychopomp. Is that, like, a, an overall term to, like, describe that function? 
It's an archetype. It's an archetype. Yeah. Well, so, but like, for instance, you're describing a, like a job that that lots of different things can do. So it's not necessarily the thing itself, but it's the occupation that they're all fault, they all have. Like, I would think that if you guys have watched the, um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. And how, like, Davy Jones is like, he's like shouldered with the responsibility of ferrying like the sailors who die at sea like I feel like he would be a psychopomp because that's like right like that's his job now is to do that but I'm not sure I would call him a ghost is the thing like he's like a weird tentacle monster right 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 so he would he would fall I think into like the more creature (laughs) category but but ghosts can also perform this function exactly yeah Okay. So spirits uh, or ghosts can perform this function, yes. So, like, the idea of, like, you're, like, on your deathbed and then you see the ghost of your, like, wife who, like, comes to you and says, right. like, oh, it's enough now. Oh, Come now I with see. me. So then, okay. yeah, the idea of, like, like somebody in... coming. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like in, oh, uh, no. go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Emily, well, you speak. Yeah, Emily, go. I was going to say, like in Les Mis, when Fantine comes to um, uh, Jean Valjean. Can I tell you something? Can I fucking tell you something? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes! High five! Yes! All right. That was awesome. I love you. You're so. So, yeah. So, like, the idea of a spirit or a ghost that, like, comes to you and, like, guides you to the other side. So, that's, like, the only other, like, thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. I have um, some scientific stuff to talk about in terms of ghosts. Um, I found an interesting article on LiveScience.com, and it was all about ghost hunting and, like, how people engage in it. And this, the writer was very, very skeptical and really obnoxious about it, but it was still a very interesting article. And he talked about using Geiger counters, electromagnetic field uh, detectors, infrared detectors, um, infrared cameras... And sensitive microphones to um, detect ghosts. And it's largely done by amateurs, obviously. There is a ghost app, which I am going to look up immediately after this to try and <laughs> detect one in my hotel room right now. That's not, that's going to end well. And I, just, I just bought a house, so I feel like, I feel compelled now to make sure there's no ghosts in there. Or which... just at least know about the ghosts that are in there. Yeah, right. I mean, like, I'm cool It's with very ghosts. unlikely there are no ghosts. <laughs> There's at least that. one. There's yeah. at least one. The scientific basis for like having ghosts the, is the first law of thermodynamics, which, which Albert Einstein came up with, and it is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So you're like, what happens to your body's energy when you die? Like, if it can't be created or destroyed, what happens? What happens to all those electrical impulses? Your body and decays and it just like goes back into the earth. No, 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 no. Ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> you have to follow along, Lauren. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, ghosts. There you go. Now you're good. There them. you go. <laughs> so it's uh, there's so so many interesting things going on here. There is a committee of skeptical inquiry that is mm-hmm. kind of like it's almost like debunking pseudoscience, but also like engaging in pseudoscience. So, like, if you're going to engage in pseudoscience, do it properly kind of deal. <laughs> so, they it's have... It's like, a... they're the grand council of, like, fake science. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, if you're going to do this, do it properly. That's so um, funny. And uh, I'm going to tell you about some interesting experiments that people have done to in order to disprove the existence of ghosts. 
But before I do that, I want to talk about what anthropologists and folklorists think about these ghost hunters. So uh, there's actually a whole book about people who are ghost hunters, and they're in, according to folklorists, they're engaging in ostentation or legend tripping. They call Whoa. it legend tripping, which is a nice. form of play acting where people act out a legend, often involving ghosts or supernatural elements. And it's kind of like out of a sincere effort to test the definitions of the real world, but it's also kind of a, you know, a pantomime. I want to tell you, I want to tell you about this experiment with back touching because it is um, really wait with what? Say it again. Back this, touching. You back heard it. Touching. Yeah, <laughs> it is back touching. Okay, so there was a couple experiments. The first one is a really weird experiment where basically the person is blindfolded and they had a robot arm in front of them. And whenever they touched, pressed on the robot arm, a robot arm would come behind them and poke them in the back. This is is not a joke. (laughs) Okay, and then what they did was they unsynced the robot arms So that one came 500 milliseconds later. And this small deviation made them feel as though there were someone else in the room. And, like, Mm. not necessarily that it kind of distorted their reality. They either felt that they were moving back towards the the person behind them, that there was a person behind them. People have reported up to four people being in the room with them during this experiment. And it's just, like... It's very weird. Articles called Ghosts Created by Scientists in Disturbing Lab Experiment, which is such a gotcha title. Like, <laughs> um, Clickbait. Yeah, this is a UK. This is from The Telegraph. Um, so they had 12. Uh, there is a second part to this. They have 12 healthy participants and 12 participants that have some sort of mental illness. Not mental illness. They have... Uh, let's see, system malfunctions. That's that's even worse. Um, <laughs> so they have twelve people have system malfunctions because they're cyborgs. <laughs> they've had some sort of mental illness or um, yeah, mental illness in the past. So all of them felt this. Not and two of them, two of the healthy patients, were so disturbed by this that they asked to to stop. They asked to be excused. From this study. So they got poked, and then... They got scared of being poked. They got scared... No, but I... I didn't... I guess I didn't understand what you meant when... So it's like they got... They got poked... Initially. Yeah. And then there was a second poke. And then they delayed... So what happens is they put... They touch the robot, and they get poked. They touch the robot, they get poked. They touch the robot, 500 milliseconds later, they get poked. Uh, so the delay was in, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and it kind of, it freaked them out to the point where they thought there was another person in the room. They thought someone else was doing it. And they wow. felt other people, they felt up to four people in the room with them. Huh. And so they talk a lot about uh, an FOP, which is a feeling of presence in this. Oh, and they their idea is basically that when your brain has been altered, it is, it's possible to feel 
these things. So they talked about this mountain climber who was um, climbing with his brother, and he was oxygen-starved, oxygen freezing, exhausted. And while they were descending, he was convinced that there was a third person with them. And he just, he was just convinced. And when he came, and there was no one else. So that's kind of their theory. That's one theory. There is another one. There are some explanations that can be had about... Sorry, I think I didn't understand what you said. The theory is that when your mind is is altered somehow, either by hunger or like physical malady or something like that, you get a feeling of presence, and then that's what people think ghosts are, like what science does. Yes, and they so they examined people's brains who had um, decided that they had seen ghosts, and they identified disturbances in three specific brain regions. In the insular cortex, the parietal frontal cortex, and the tempo, temporal parietal cortex. And all were involved in self-awareness, movement, and the sense of position and space. So, like, they're kind of saying this is a brain disturbance. This is in your head. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I feel like I could have told you that. Like, oh, if you get really drunk, you might see a ghost. Or, <laughs> well, know, I mean, they're like, not talking it, about drunk drunkenness. They're talking about, like disruptions in your brain or like, yeah if you're like delirious by some other means you will probably see things that aren't real like that's i don't know that seems pretty but it's, it's not just seeing right it's feeling you feel that there is something there you know yeah, yeah um right. <laughs> well okay so uh, there are other explanations real quick sure so pe- people have experimented with electromagnetic fields and decided that if you know putting a helmet on that like exposes your brain to electromagnetic fields can kind of fuck with what you think is happening and like make you feel weird. Yeah, probably true. Yeah, and they found that yeah, that tracks. They found that a lot of places that have electro that have hauntings, quote unquote, also have weird electromagnetic things going on. Another one is infrared sound so this is like sound that humans can't hear but it still messes with you so like at higher frequencies than or a lower frequent mostly lower frequencies okay so they they did this study that um on like traffic sounds and uh wind turbine sounds on people who lived close enough that they they couldn't hear it but the sound was still there and Mm -hmm. they found that it caused all sorts of Things that low frequency sounds can cause distortion, uh, disorientation, feelings of panic, changes in heart rate and blood pressure, and other effects that <gasps> oh can easily be associated <laughs> with a ghost. Right? I was going like, to say like the brown note. <laughs> the like what? You hear it and you get anxious. The brown note. Okay. <laughs> Cut that up. <laughs> I will not. It's a, it's a. It's yeah. It's like a lower frequency that makes you like. Really anxious, and then you shake yourself. <laughs> I have so like ghosts are making me poop my pants. <laughs> uh, I suppose a couple other explanations. Daryl, are... ghosts are shit my pants. <laughs> oh my god, it's the Emperor Daryl. Who is this Daryl? He's got some problems, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
So look back to to other things. It can also be mold. So one guy is doing research about mold. Wait, mold makes ghosts? Mold makes you crazy, which makes you see ghosts. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that doesn't count, though. Like, what? all these things are, like, things that, like, happen to the human body. Well, that's that, what she's saying. Yeah. They're, sci- they're science. They're science. They're I people guess, that's explaining. Like, that's not ghosts. That's just, like... Your shit dug got fucked up, so you're, you're crazy. You're seeing things. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Like if you're the person, if you're the person exposed to the mold, and you're like, I totally see ghosts. Someone's like, uh, actually, no, you're just exposed to this mold. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was um, I was thinking we were gonna hear about like how ghosts are real. No, no, no. no. <laughs> He's doing the opposite. Okay. Doing the opposite. These are the debunking things where it's like you think it is, but it's just infrared sound and it's mold. Bro. Yeah. And Although <laughs> in this case, in this case. The, the electromagnetic fields uh, argument is really an argument in favor of ghosts because they're saying that, like, oh, a lot of these places that are supposedly haunted have weird electromagnetic fields going on, which is, like, doesn't that mean there's ghosts there? Like, Right, right. That's what I was kind of getting at is, like, yeah, because they're haunted. Because they're haunted. <laughs> because they're essences just lying around. I'll tell you my ghost cat story, which is that I woke up in the middle of the night. My former roommates have this big gray cat uh-huh. named Charles. Uh-huh. So I was awoken by a sound, and I was sleeping in my tummy. So when I, I like, turned my head, and my arm was, like, off the side of the bed, and I heard this sound, and I thought I saw Charles. Yeah. Because sometimes he would get into our room and just fuck with shit because he's yeah. a cat. Yeah. He's a and cat. so I literally, I almost fell out of bed because I went to like bop him basically yeah. and just be like, get out of my room. And so I was like, Charles. And I like reached over to like bop him on the butt. And then my hand just like, and that's why I almost fell out of bed because my hand just kept going. Oh. And so I was just like, woo. And, like, there's nothing there. And then I was like, oh, my God, I saw a ghost cat. <laughs> it, there's this type of hallucination you have, and it's depending on, like, where you are in your sleep cycle. Yeah. So oh, as yeah. you're falling as you're falling asleep, <laughs> it's called... talking about dreams? Right. So, like, as you're falling asleep... <laughs> no, it wasn't a dream. I actually did no. this. No, no, no. I, I actually, like, almost fell out of bed and was like, fuck. So as you as you're falling asleep... It's called something, but if you're in deep sleep, like if you're in your REM cycle, it's kind of that, it, it's kind of like your brain is pulling your dream into reality for that like split second. Okay. So it's like, it's so, so it was a hallucination. It was like my brain made something that wasn't there. Right. But it was, and then once I was awake, I was like, oh, it's not there. Right. Oh. So that's like what happened. But I want to believe it was a ghost cat, and so I have a ghost cat. There you go. There you go. I guess what inspired me to tell that story is, like, the idea that somebody would choose to believe that it was a ghost versus the mon- carbon monoxide poisoning. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Like, Do you guys want to talk about the me- ghost media? Yeah, we should talk about some ghost media. You mentioned a Christmas carol earlier. Yes. And so there's three ghosts in that. There's three ghosts, and it's not called a ghost Christmas. It's yeah, called exactly. a Christmas carol. It's not even about there's ghosts. There's four ghosts, because Marley's Oh, in that's it. right. That's a good point. It's chock yeah. full of ghosts. So many but, ghosts. Okay, so here's the thing, though. I realize like my only, body was like... Only one of those people are ghosts, because the other three are just, like, apparitions. Well, they're spirits of Christmas past, future, and present, so they're not really ghosts. They're ah, but we also talked about spirit. how the the word spirit and ghost are somewhat interchangeable. That's true. So yeah, it's 
So they yeah. could have, they could have been real people at one point that once they entered the afterlife, they took on the mantle of they could be psychopaths. The, they could be psychopaths. They are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. It's like the idea of like you know how like in Dante's Inferno. Which is not on our list, but we'll start there. In Dante's Inferno, Dante is led by Virgil, who was a real person, who is now a spirit, right. who's, like, guiding him through these right, other things. Right. So, like, when Virgil died, he took, it's like, he, he got to, like he got to wherever, and they're like, this is what you do now. And he's and like, I think, right. I, this is such a weird distinction, but, like, I feel like ghosts aren't ghosts unless they're walking the earth. If they're in the afterlife, they're, like, dead people, <laughs> but then they're, they're like, just... ghosts when they come back. That's a really, I think that's an, I think that's a good point too. Well, and okay, is it, is it that when they're on the earth or when they're interacting with humans, because Dante was alive walking through hell and purgatory. Right, but he was you know, not where So were they, were they ghosts to him because he was still a living thing? No. And they're they're dead. He, he just happened to be on their turf? Yeah. He's, he's not where he's supposed to be. So they're not yeah. ghosts. He's just not where he's supposed to be. They're dead. I have to disagree. I have to, I feel like no matter where you are, if you're <laughs> dead and talking to a, a living person, doesn't matter what you're doing. You're still a ghost. Like, but, no, but I, I don't know if that's true because there are plenty of times. So like when we, but in Casper, he talks about like, and even, and in, and in a lot of the things it's like a ghost is a spirit who is not crossed over to the other side. Yeah. See? So, like, maybe on the other so side, if they would still be they crossed spirits. over, yeah. Then they they dead. They not. But like in but in Casper in the movie, that that that's why not the cartoon, but Casper the movie. Yeah. You have the ghosts, like the three uncle ghosts, and you have Casper. You see the mom come back and talk to us, and in that moment, she's like a ghost or a spirit, but right. she's not a ghost in the sense that she's like moved on, so she's like not haunting anything she's but she's allowed to come back so i feel like for the interaction she's a ghost right i wanted to talk about supernatural because i love how they portray ghosts and like they're a consistent problem but i also like how they portrayed the ghost facers ghost faces yeah and like well, they're dealing with ghosts know, the supernatural is about some people who are hunt supernatural monsters and the ghost facers are this fake uh, group in the show that uh, hunts ghosts kind of like on TV. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's hilarious to see them interact with each other. Like, one person knows about ghosts and knows about the supernatural and, like, is trying to just get their fucking job done, and the other is like, maybe we'll see some ghosts! And you're like, mm. <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty funny. It is great. Um, you're like, actually, go to hell. So, Casper, obviously, let's talk about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters obviously. is good. I love Ghostbusters because I think Ghostbusters comes from that, like, scientific approach that we've kind of talked about, except yeah. it's, like, it buys into it. Mm -hmm. It's, like, from a world where, like, the scientific approach actually worked and they were able to discover ghosts. Right. But most of most of the ghosts in Ghostbusters are, like, evil, right? A lot of them cause havoc and, um... yeah. And maybe it's just because that's the ones that they are called in on. Like, yeah, nobody's going to call them if the ghost is just chilling with them Also, on the Slimer's not really evil in the cartoon. He's, he's a like, problem. I feel like Slimer would be, like, a good poltergeist. He's a poltergeist. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the six like sense. moving shit around and being silly. Oh my gosh, that was a good six one. Sense oh, is six sense is a good sense. one. I really like that one too because that one plays into the seeing the ghosts, um, but not being able to necessarily discern reality from not reality. Yeah. I mean, and obviously that's how M. Night Shyamalan wanted, the, as the watcher of the film. Right. That was what he wanted you to take away. But, like, that, you know, the, the fact that the little boy's just like, yep, this is, this is just what happens. That's, that's the, <laughs> that movie is the ultimate in the unreliable narrator category, which is like, mm-hmm. they do this a lot in books where the person who's telling you the story doesn't necessarily, either they don't know all the facts or they are purposefully hiding the facts. And um, that's a, right. a interesting way to do it. I uh, want to talk quickly about a video game called uh, the Blackwell series. Okay. And there's like four mm-hmm. or five of them. And they're adventure games where one of your playable characters is like this woman who's like a private detective. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a ghost of a private detective. Oh. And they have to work together to solve crimes of the afterlife and crimes of the real life. It's oh, so cool. good. Yeah. I'm, it's yeah. well written. and. So, like, the the gameplay plays out, like, the ghost can, like, walk through things and, like, see hidden information, but he can't touch things, and so he's got to gather information, and then she's got to, like, open the doors with the information, for instance. Oh, cool. And, like, obviously this like, gets more complicated than that, but that's, like, the basic premise. Um, and their whole point of the game is to send all these spirits back to the afterlife and, like, make them ready, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, an actual, okay. a common trope in these um that unfinished business. The unfinished business is the, right. the TV trope that you're looking for. If you want to go look that up, yeah. it goes to lingers around because he has something to do still. And so right, exactly. In this series, you're uh, this woman who has to send them back and they're to finish their business. There, there is a a book series that I like that it's about this woman who is a necromancer, so she can raise the dead and speak to the dead, but she is a TV spiritualist. So she's someone who, like, and, like, talks to the audience and, like, oh, your grandfather, he says he loves you and he's in a better place. And that's how she makes her living. But she doesn't use her supernatural powers in order to do this. She, like, cold reads people. And so whenever there's a ghost that shows up on her set, she's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Stop talking to me. <laughs> and, like, oh, you're, you're messing with my concentration. <laughs> and so it's, it's I like that uh, kind of juxtaposition there so what's that what's that one called so it's a part of kelly armstrong's other world series there's a bunch of different characters Mm. one of them is a necromancer nice and yeah there's a couple books and there's one where like she's set up for a reality television show where her and three other spiritualists are like (laughs) in it together competing yeah competing and like she has to spirit house only one will win right and she has to, one of them, like, is one of these, like, child evangelists that, you know, does the laying on of hands and that kind of thing. And she's, like, the cute little vicious person. And then there's, like, an, <laughs> old, there's, like, an old dude who, like, seriously believes that he can see ghosts and, like, mm. is very serious, very famous as well. And so, like, the interactions between them all is just so hilarious. There's cool. also Beetlejuice. That's about ghosts. Oh, yes. Which is great because you get the, like, the, the book, right? Like, in the story. I forget what it's called. It's like the guide, the big, like, the guide of, to be to being dead right, or something like yeah. that. Let's see. There's also, uh, there's a ton of horror movies like The Grudge and Amityville Horror and um, oh, yeah. Paranormal Activity. The Ring. The Ring. 
and uh, Pac-Man has the ghosts in there. Pac-Man technically includes ghosts. I guess that's true. As does Mario. Also, what kind of a... That really opens your eyes. Mario does as well. Ghosts, yeah. What kind of, like, monster eats ghosts? Because when you think about it, he's just, like, eating up their souls. (laughs) Yeah, he eats people's souls. Like, ugh, he's like a fucking dementor. Gone Home has, um... Ghosts in it. It does not. It does. It does. I swear to God. There are ghosts. I swear it does. I'm going to look it up right now because I think you're wrong. You said this before we started talking and I the, told you no and now. The internet now does, not, does not know everything, Matthew. <laughs> the internet does not know everything. It, it might <laughs> feel like there are ghosts. We there mentioned were. briefly Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, Poltergeist is, is uh, for spoiler alert, their house was built on an Indian burial ground, of but all it of was. that, like, that's one of those things, too, where it's like, I just don't understand why, after all these years, the ghosts decide to pop up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they'd maybe they made their presence known before, because yeah. I've only seen the movie, like, once or twice, but. Yeah. Matthew's still Googling about ghosts and Gone Home, aren't you? I've already discovered that you're wrong, but fine. I whatever. am correct. Tell, you're tell wrong. these poor listeners whatever you want to. The internet. Just don't believe her, Emily. The internet is listeners. wrong. The internet <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> what I feel I've is right. I've never seen Gone Home. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. It's a video game. video game that does not include ghosts. It does indeed. Oh, good. It's a good video game. <laughs> it's very good, but for different reasons. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, talk about ghosts. I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. And um, we will talk to you next time. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye. I'm so bad. Oh. <laughs>